Hey, good afternoon. Welcome back to Cresta in the Afternoon. Marcus Peter here, filling in for Al Cresta. When doors are locked and keys are taken away, those homebound can still bask in the real presence of Jesus Christ. They can unite to him in a most intimate, incarnational manner with our dear Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Alyssa Murphy and her father have spent years serving as extraordinary ministers of Holy Eucharist to the homebound. And as her father faces a terminal cancer diagnosis, his joy lies still in the Eucharistic presence of our Lord and Savior. Alyssa joins us to talk about this. Alyssa Murphy is the Register's Managing Editor of Digital Assets. Starting a career on the airwaves in San Francisco, she has worked in all facets of media. Alyssa enjoys writing and covering stories that inspire and uplift. Register readers may be familiar with her voice from EWTN Radio's Morning Glory. Alyssa currently lives in New Jersey, just outside of Manhattan, with her husband, Andrew, and her young daughter, Annabelle. Alyssa, how are you doing? Great. How are you, Marcus? I'm very well, thank you, and it's great to have you on the program. Great to be here. So, clearly, being a fellow minister, extraordinary minister of Holy Communion, you and your father have shared this really deep aspect of your spiritual life. And, and I, I take it this has been a, a big part of your own growth into deep love of our Lord and Savior in the real presence. You know, um, it really has, and it, it really dawned on me uh, just recently, um, this, this summer, uh, going to uh, visit a man, Don, specifically, uh, who is homebound, has been that way for about a year now, um, and it just um, it's just a, a beautiful moment together where you really do understand how isolating it can be uh, when you're not able to go outside, you're not able to do uh, the normal things we we all take for granted, mm-hmm. really. Uh, and then also just to think how, especially as as those as Catholics as daily mass goers, most of us. How crippled um, you may feel, not even not even being able to go to mass every day, you know, and that's something that's overlooked as well. Not many people know of the community that really so many have, especially the elderly, when they're able to go to mass on a daily basis. I mean, the friendships that are formed, mm-hmm. the coffee hour after, you know, there's there's a whole um, a, so, a, a whole society really yeah. uh, that people become closed off to. You know, uh, as you're talking here, you're reminding me of the words of Saint Paul. Whenever, so one of the things I love doing in my work as a as a preacher and theologian is traveling for speaking engagements. Because, uh, like like Paul said, whenever he goes to these communities, whenever he goes to meet these people, he sees the gospel lived out face to face, and it reinvigorates him. And and in that same way, that's what you and your father experience every time you go forth to these little communities and big communities, and even individuals. And and you you connect this faith in a way that's not just supernatural and ethereal. It, it's also eminently tangible and real because all of a sudden you're seeing the faith lived out. You you are being invigorated by the faith that you're coming to experience. Yes, and and we're all taking part in in the Paschal mystery in that way. And one of the reasons why I felt moved to write the piece um, is my father has always been very active. Um, very much involved in the church, uh, not only with Eucharistic ministry, but also in the pro-life movement, daily praying outside of Planned Parenthood with a group of friends mm. or by himself. Uh, and then it, it just dawned on me as as we were going um, a couple months ago, uh, just to, as every Sunday, to go visit 
um, dawn specifically how you know one day my dad himself uh, will will be homebound he himself has um, stage four cancer um, and you know these are all realities that we're all living through and uh, so many people are just unaware of how um, how important the, the real presence is especially to those that can't they can't access it and you even think of areas uh, remote areas where mass is only once a week or maybe it's one parish that's further away um, or even adoration not being available you know it really is a stifling thing for so many people and I think the Eucharistic revival this kind of period we're living through right now is such a a wonderful opportunity for people to really understand how important this is and something that's always touched me is is the catechism's teaching on the eucharistic sacrifice itself and how in it we are actually communing with everyone that has gone before um you know having jesus in us but also sharing in the the saints the people that have gone before the people that we learn from the people that have inspired us yeah yeah and how you know um I just hope other people will consider being a Eucharistic ministers because I know there are shortages at several parishes across the nation. You know, you bring up a really interesting point. It's something that we often forget. You can go to a mass where it's just the priest or where it's just you and the priest. And the fact is you are joined at that moment in a kind of extra chronological manner, if you will, because you're removed from time to every person on earth who is a part of that Eucharistic celebration, but also historically everyone who has ever partaken of that Eucharistic sacrifice. And even more than that, we are united to the church suffering in purgatory and the church triumphant in heaven. So in in essence, it really is the remedy for isolation, as you're mentioning. This, this, This real appreciation of Jesus Christ's presence in the Eucharist is what cures isolation. Yeah, and I really think out of all of the beautiful pieces that we have penned on the Eucharistic revival and the real presence, as we know. Not many people even take that seriously these days. Mm-hmm. I don't hear much talk about the Eucharistic sacrifice, and I think that there's just so much hope to be given mm-hmm. uh, with learning that, especially in this era of isolation coming out of a pandemic. Some people still scared even, um, you know, to, to go outside, Some, especially the elderly. Yeah. Um, just really understanding this, this the idea of the of, of communion really comes alive when you focus on what the Eucharistic sacrifice really is. Right, Alyssa. So clearly, your love for the for the Eucharist, the real presence of Jesus in this sacrament, emanates in every word you speak. So, how has clinging to Christ in His Eucharistic presence helped you and your father and the rest of your family journey through this this period of pain, as you've mentioned, you know, that the the diagnosis of your father has not come easy, but there's a kind of hope that you've been clinging to. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting, uh, for the longest time when my dad was diagnosed, um, you know, you grapple with the idea of not having a parent, Mm -hmm. um, and it's, you know, sadly, we lost my mother about six years ago, um, and I, and I almost feel like, uh, that was really when I, I took to heart this teaching of the Eucharistic sacrifice, and I really, um, just every time I was at I'm at, I'm at mass or 
um, in front of at adoration, I I just sense how I am in full communion with with not only Christ but also my mother and those that we have lost, um, and I really feel like that is something that I hold on to, and it's also something I try to instill as a mother. I have a little girl myself, and you know, there's just all these these you know these these things that sometimes as we get older they're harder to ascertain. Mm-hmm. But with the imagination of a child, I feel like there's such an opportunity uh, to share with her, and it's so neat to see. Uh, my daughter, you know, uh, talk about Mommy Mary and uh, Daddy Joseph and understand the, and understand heaven, that there's people that we know in heaven and that, that can pray, you know, they can intercede for us. Uh, and, it, and I think in that sense, you're, the, the faith, you know, through our, throughout our entire lives, we understand that all of these calamities, these catastrophes, these things we don't think we can live through, you know, it's amazing to know that, you know, in, in that Jesus wants to come inside us. He doesn't yeah. want us to just talk about him or yeah. to, to even understand him. He wants to live and breathe with us. Yep. And and what a cherished thing that is, and how close we can really feel when we think about the baby Jesus being in a manger in a trough. And this is something that can really feed us and feed our souls and, and feed feed those around us. Your, your words in your blog post essentially highlight that, that, the fact that your father is eventually going to, to not be able to continue bringing the Holy Eucharist to the homebound. But th- these are your words here. But for now, this truly divine privilege we have as Catholics to carry life-giving bread to those most in need is still within his grasp, and everything else pales in comparison. I mean, those are powerful, profound words to write when you and your family and your father have the right to scream out at the injustice of, of this diagnosis. Yeah, and it and it really does become something that when all flesh fails and there's nothing else one can do, when you're sitting in a room and hoping someone will come visit you, to think that the Catholic Church offers offers Christ at your doorstep, offers Christ... <laughs> to come in and, and to dwell inside you and to share those moments with with those suffering. You know, I, I really feel like that is something now, just even in this short res- retrospect I've had, is really understanding how, you know, my father was the first person when I was a child to take me to convalescent homes. We would bake cookies and go visit them, you know, mm-hmm. on a Saturday or Sunday, and I felt really bad during the pandemic. I wasn't able to do that with my daughter because, you know, as we know, even with recent headlines out of Canada about euthanasia and how the elderly and the infirm are being treated, that above and beyond even our health, you know, we have to care about our souls. And there's there's life-giving bread that's available to us, uh, and, and we need to be those hands. Uh, when when there's no one else. Gosh, Alyssa, and I, we could continue this conversation for hours. I, I also want to highlight just what's implicit in your article, that there's a real unification. You know, when we talk about offer your sufferings to Christ on the cross, well, in the Eucharist, that happens in a sacramental way par excellence that just a regular detached life of prayer will never be able to achieve because this is Christ offering himself and us to the Father in this sacrifice. 
It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And when you think of the wounds of Christ and what he endured at the age of 33, um, and, then, and then you think of our own infirmities and what we have to do, it's just a, it's a really valiant, heroic moment we have as Catholics to, to be Eucharistic ministers. Amen. Thank you so much, Alyssa. This was such a joy. I've been talking to Alyssa Murphy, reg- the Register's Managing Editor of Digital Assets. We've been talking about her article, Homebound and Homeward Bound, Heart of the Eucharistic Minister Living with Terminal Cancer. I'm Marcus Peter, filling in for Al Cresta on Cresta in the afternoon.